0: This time on Watchers of Tomorrow, welcome to the world of tomorrow!
1: Hello everyone, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that has been frozen for hundreds of years and is now confused and slightly comedic. Where am I? I guess confused and trying to be funny describes a lot of our shows. So yes, it <laughs> works out. Yeah, I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host Dr. Hisix. Hi. And this is this is it. We've made it through season one. Yes, this, this, that, that's the thing.
0: So it's a uh, a season that uh, I've heard some folks describe as uh, a bit outdated, but it has its charm to. There's so many episodes that just keep making more when we're not looking to. Well, that was crap. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we uh, got to the last episode of it, and uh, it's one that has, I guess, mixed feelings about uh, from various folks, but I find it's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's up and down. The, this season's very up and down. This is another one of those ones that has two things that you sort of remember happening but don't remember happening in the same episode.
0: Yes. <laughs> The only reason I, uh, you know, in my mind, connect the two is uh, because one scene, they actually cross over for like a minute, and it's only slightly relevant.
1: Yeah, and the one that you think is going to be the A-plot is not.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, there's this other thing happening that's kind of important, but we're going to focus over here.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane. This is This is the neutral zone, mm-hmm. the final episode of The Next Generation Season 1. It does end pretty well, mm-hmm. given that, because we get to bring back one of the iconic villains. They're not they're not really one of the big bads from original series because they only show up like twice. Indeed. But they are one of the more iconic bads from original series. And they very, very thankfully swoop in to replace the planned frickin' Ferengi. Main nemesis for the remainder of TNG,
0: <laughs> indeed. Uh, it's like yeah, you know, people uh, might remember it's like oh yeah, there's you know Picard faced off against Dateman Bach a couple times, but you know usually when they think about the uh, you, know, you know the Enterprise D facing off against uh, aliens, it's either the Borg or the Romulans, uh, and you know just kind of depending on you know how much cybernetics you want to deal with. Um, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of episodes where the Romulans end up being a main uh, uh, antagonist, and even just sort of a a I guess a, uh, a not quite a cooperating entity, but uh, you know also there uh, in a couple episodes, and this one maybe counts for that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, the well, they they use the Romulans really well. We'll get into more as the seasons progress because they don't do a lot with this one they introduce them Mm -hmm. and they're mostly just sort of there but they they do a really good thing with them for next generation because next generation is the peacetime star trek yes so like we're just out of the cold war star trek so having a antagonist that's not really an antagonist you're sort of in a cold war situation with them but not really and you're just sort of trying to figure each other out but there's no real open hostilities it's kind of the perfect thing to have for the main like quote-unquote villains of this era
0: indeed uh and really only like maybe twice are they really kind of pushing for uh an outright uh, confrontation with the federation and one of them is like, "Yeah, we are. If our plan goes off, we have already won before they can do anything." So, oh well. And the other one is like, "Well, we're kind of just, uh, you know, trying to s- uh, saber rattle here. We don't necessarily want a war, but you know, we'll take it if you know the Federation wants to bring it, sort of things."
1: Yeah, and then anytime that they are, you know, actively trying to be aggressive, it's blamed on one person. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about
0: it. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, don't worry. We've uh, relieved them of command. Yes.
1: <laughs> so this one had an interesting development history. Uh, it came out in 1988, definitely written the year before. It uh, was <laughs> made out of a piece of fan fiction. Oh. So the writers, Deborah McIntyre and Mona Klee, they had this fan fiction thing and it was turned into a teleplay by marius hurley in a day and a half because he needed something to get in for the last episode before they hit the 1988 writer's strike
0: <laughs> so yeah so we got a, a little bit of a deadline so um you take this put it through the filter and it'll be good enough right yeah, I'm, I'm, surprisingly ended up not like most ridiculous episode ever so
1: i mean it's interesting they they had to take out some stuff that they were planning to put in which is why there's like some allusions to stuff that shows up later they were planning on this coming in first as like a two-parter hmm. but the writing strike meant they couldn't write the other part you know yes so they had to kind of they had to kind of cut off some things
0: well, you could always just do an end of the season cling ha- uh, uh, cliffhanger, but uh, the, the producers hadn't figured that that was a ratings grabber, so can't make a risk yet.
1: <laughs> well, like, they wanted to do a cliffhanger thing, and they wanted to do a second part for the start of season two, but because of the writer's strike coming in, they weren't mm-hmm. able to write the other half of the episode. Yes. <laughs> so they just had to cut anything that was going to be an allusion to the next episode and make this a standalone
0: well you you also think that when they do get to actually doing uh season ending cliffhangers that they don't just put off writing the second uh half which they actually tend to do <laughs> uh, both in uh, tng and voyager so uh remember uh i was one of the uh, you know the borg episodes on voyager the the Borg queen's like i'll be seeing you soon harry and harry's like what does that mean ends up not mattering at all because they We're just trying to foreshadow stuff they might want to do in the next uh, half because they hadn't written it. They had no idea if they are going to do it. Anyway.
1: Yeah, well, they they just kind of gave up on the writing for Voyager. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, uh, technically, uh, they were in sort of a similar position with Best of Both Worlds, too. But uh, anyway.
1: (laughs) They never know how to write Borg. Yes. (laughs) Constant problem. We've got quite a few guest stars in this one, so may as well do a quick run through. Mm -hmm. We have... We have Mark Lemo who's playing T'ibau or Tabau, I forget how they pronounced it. Ta- the Ta- rom, main Romulan yeah. dude.
0: Well, there was Damon Bock, so T'ibok might be might be a little too on the nose.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's playing T'ibok, mm-hmm. and we we all remember him. He's a very well known Star Trek actor as the dog guy in Lonely Among Us.
0: Yes, that, that is his most mm-hmm. famous Star Trek role ever leave us
1: he played some kind of cardassian on ds9 yeah, that was way later
0: yeah, yeah some recurring role or something like that uh it was, it, the guy who's playing there's a real asshole so you know you know don't worry about it
1: <laughs> i mean this is this is of course continuing his trend of somehow being the first appearance of every alien in next generation
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> he'll uh continue it uh, later too uh yeah, you know, oddly enough, uh, with the uh, Cardassian, So,
1: yeah, he plays this Romulan, later plays another Cardassian, then of course Goldie DS Nine. I can't just do the in jokes and assume everyone knows what I'm talking about. I have to actually say it eventually. Uh, next, Anthony James plays the, I, thi- think <laughs> I don't think they really say his name much. Uh, I hate reading these after the fact these names my god yes (laughs) he had uh, a lot of guest star roles he was on Hawaii Five-0 Bonanza Gunsmoke Buck Rogers all that stuff he was also in uh, several (laughs) movies he had a major role as a he had a main role in uh, the movie Heat of the Night which got an Academy Award for Best Picture I've never heard of it but it it won things yes (laughs) it's notable
0: I've mostly heard of it because it won Best Picture (laughs) he was in v
1: then we got some (laughs) some comedy people coming in these are the people you probably don't remember as well from the episode yes (laughs) leon rippy plays lq sunny clemens he's a very well-known character actor uh he's been on a lot of shows like uh leverage deadwood um he's best known for playing earl the angel on saving grace which is another one i haven't heard of but apparently that's one of his more famous appearances
0: yes been in stuff since uh the early 80s looks like uh and uh including something called hyperspace also uh his appearance on leverage i actually uh, watched some of the episodes he was in recently so it was like wait a moment i recognize that face
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's fairly recognizable leverage is good
0: yeah he was in uh, stargate too
1: Oh, everyone was in Stargate. Anyone who's been on Star Trek is in Stargate. Weird.
0: I don't know why. Well, there's, uh, I guess, so many actors that are cool with doing sci-fi, I guess.
1: Gracie Harrison is playing Claire Raymond. She is less well-known. She's appeared in a few things like Hill Street Blues and Family Ties. She doesn't have as long a career as some of the other ones.
0: Designing hmm. women. Spock's The Prince of Passion. This... <laughs> I'm a little uh, concerned with what that one's about. <laughs>
1: yeah that that doesn't sound great then peter mark richmond's is playing ralph Alfenhouse. he was regular on tv shows in the 50s and his filmography includes 30 movies and 130 tv shows so summarizing yes. this is not <laughs> n- not happening
0: all right uh so you know he was also in the fbi by the way <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's basically been in everything since like I don't know like the early 50s I guess <laughs> yeah uh so uh and uh he's unfortunately passed away at this point but uh, he had a pretty good run and uh yeah uh salute you and uh and uh, maybe we'll uh have uh, you come back uh when we uh finally get around to Batman the animated series and you'll be uh, playing uh, Charles yeah. Baxter yeah <laughs>
1: I mean, he was working into his 80s, so yes. <laughs> he had a pretty good career going. And that's all the guest stars yes. and the weird writing situation. <laughs> that's why stuff is strange in this episode, even though I think it held up pretty well. I like it.
0: It's yes, uh, an <clears throat> episode that had things going against it, but, you know, managed to kind of you know, pull it through, I suppose. So. In the beginning.
1: Now, the Enterprise, we join, just sort of hanging out because they're waiting for Picard to get back from an emergency conference.
0: Yes. And, uh, cause remember, while uh, they wait, remember last time, uh, he was on Earth and, you know, the, like, a whole bunch of admirals got taken over and they might be dead or something like that now. Uh, and, you know, and other random people around the Federation might be going, like, oh no, we're, we just recovered from a, a brain parasite and, you know, I, we're, we're now in a dangerous security situation, so it's it's obviously about that, right?
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, they, they would not mention something like that again. <laughs> so while they're waiting, they've found an ancient space capsule that appears to have arrived here from Earth at some point, which is interesting. They're pretty far out. Um, if they leave it, it's just going to continue on, get ripped apart by a binary star. Riker doesn't really care because it's only historical junk, so, you know, leave it.
0: It's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, uh wasn't it just, you know, uh, you know, the previous century you guys were all like, you know, stuff from this era is like really you know, you know g- important to look at because we don't know very much about this, what was going on in the 90s.
1: Data wants to beam over and look at it. Riker's right? like, eh, a, you're a waste of time. Sure.
0: <laughs> well, at least, but we're not doing anything else. So I guess it's OK. Uh,
1: he lets Data and Worf beam over because I guess it's never bad to do history. Fine. You don't want to waste everyone's time? <laughs> uh, on board, they find atmosphere, and it's powered by an old school solar generator, and has a lot of frozen people. Most of them have dead bodies inside, but three of the pods have entirely preserved people.
0: Cool. Uh, that means we get—they're uh, well, still preserved, so uh, you know they're fresh, and uh, you know take them down to the galley, and you know, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just have to warm them up in the in the reheater. Yes. <laughs> So Picard returns and wants to get underway as soon as humanly possible. So they have to make a really quick decision. Data suggests that they beam the people on board because he doesn't want to just leave the historical people here. Indeed. Picard calls a staff meeting. There's been two Federation outposts along the neutral zone that have been destroyed. It is assumed by the Romulans. Uh, They've had almost no contact for 45 years, so a sudden show of force like this is
0: not good. Yeah, this is starting to remind me of a, of a classic TNG episode. Some sort of uh, ta- uh, balanced terror or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they just, were just going along. Things just, are
1: getting destroyed. Yeah, just yeah. Uh,
0: taking one outpost out after another. They're, they're repeating history, clearly.
1: Yeah, if, if Kirk hadn't been there, it would have shown weakness and the Federation would have fallen to the Romulan Empire. Mm-hmm. You know, all that jazz.
0: <laughs> Well, what if he was there, but wasn't in charge? Then, yeah. Anyway,
1: so their assignment is to go to the neutral zone and poke around. Uh, hopefully, draw the Romulans out and talk to them. Poke. You know, don't fight unless you really have to. Poke, poke. We don't want to start a war here. Poke, poke. In sickbay, Crusher's decided that the only thing to do with three people they brought on board is thaw them out and see what happens. This, this is the first Picard's hearing about it. It's like, what, what's going on? Why are there pod people, Data? What did you do? <laughs>
0: Oh, I just found some uh, humans there floating in space inside the cryogenic chambers, and you know, might as well, right? It's just what you do.
1: So, <laughs> they discovered that all the people were frozen immediately after they died, and they died from what are now pretty minor medical problems.
0: Like horrible brain hemorrhages and heart disease.
1: Yeah. You know, everyday, everyday random stuff. No yes. biggie.
0: <laughs> uh... Uh,
1: this was a fad. Go ahead. <laughs> this was a fad from the 20th century called cryonics. The idea being that you freeze people and then at some point in the future, they could be unfrizzed and repaired. Hmm.
0: So I guess they uh, foresaw that uh, civilization would uh, push forward and they would have cures for these you uh, you know, you know, horrible things that kill you very quickly or very slowly, painfully. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And because of all the other stuff that happened in between then and now this is the only three people in the entirety of human history that that's actually worked on
0: hooray wait (laughs) well i guess there was khan and his crew but uh that was not so much trying to avoid death um of the disease kind but trying to not be exterminated as you know people trying to like kick them off the earth
1: yeah so we got a quick rundown of the three podsicles we have Claire, who's a homemaker who died suddenly of an embolism. Yes, she wakes up and sees Worf and immediately passes out.
0: Hmm. Yeah, is it because uh, he's an alien?
1: Probably. Yeah,
0: I, I, I kind of yeah. hope so because otherwise, you know, implications <laughs> is yeah you know, kind of awful.
1: Yeah, I guess you never know of people from that century.
0: Yes, dang, you know, twenty first century people being awful. Wish they'd stop that.
1: There's Ralph, who's a financier. No one's completely sure what that is, but he did
0: something. Finance. Maybe the fring you know about this guy's about. Let's give them a call.
1: And Sonny, who's some sort of music guy, probably died of a massive chemical abuse.
0: Yes, uh, he drank himself to death and was probably on meth or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, he must have really hated life to have lived like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and... Uh... Apparently, uh, all the music about uh, you know fast cars and hard living have uh, come to an end by this point in, the t- in time. So uh, I guess that's why he's back to uh, to bring those so- uh, sorts of music uh, you know uh, genres back in order to encourage people to uh, drink more. I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean they've got a pretty good thing going here since culture stalled out in the early, in the late '80s and then uh, suddenly restarted again about. Ten years before this episode Yes
0: <laughs> well, There was the, uh, the, the small, the small uh, You know uh, sixty throwback period A century ago but you
1: know <laughs> So Picard puts Riker and Data in charge Of keeping these three company and out of the way While they deal with the Romulans
0: And they'll fail at that
1: Yeah, <laughs> The three are gathered together and told what's happening It's been about 400 years since they were frozen Sonny's having a good time Because he's just a down home Country boy and is amicably confused By everything <laughs>
0: Oh uh, golly gee! I'm in the future. Neat. Um, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, well, where's the martinis?
1: <laughs> uh, Clara has no idea what's going on because she didn't want to be frozen. Her husband probably did it, and she had no idea it was going to happen. And Ralph is incredibly happy because. He knew it was going to work. He always knew it was going to work. And I need to check on the massive fortune that has definitely accrued with interest and stuff in the last 400 years.
0: Yes. Uh, you know, just let me talk to my uh, bank and stockbroker and all those sorts of people. Uh, clearly, uh, there's not been a massive uh, societal change between point A and point B here, right?
1: That this guy, more than anybody else, confuses the the, the bejesus out of the crew. Because they're like, this guy keeps talking about banks and stocks and, and weird <laughs> stuff that we have no cultural context for
0: are, do you want to see the phaser banks what, what's going on
1: so that's all of them Sonny gets bored because apparently TV stopped being a thing in the mid 2040s <laughs> uh, and they don't really have much in the way of entertainment anymore yeah, humans stop needing to be entertained sometime in the 2040s
0: <laughs> so uh, I guess we have that to look forward to but uh, you know how about we just toss these people onto the holodeck and just like yeah, you know, just have at it for a few hours? Uh, we recreated a uh, you know a familiar bit of territory, uh, so uh, live it up until we take you somewhere that's gonna be able to take care of you.
1: Yeah, you think that could keep him out of the way for a minute? Mm-hmm. Ralph really wants to see his money, and the captain because he's got money. He <laughs> doesn't like being treated this way because money. So he's sort of got a money thing going.
0: I want to see the manager. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and uh, Clara's still confused. Oh, why, so is that?
0: Why am I here? my damn husband! Ah, what? The doors move! Ah. <laughs>
1: uh, so we step away from the comic relief for a minute. Get a reminder: there's another plot happening. Uh, they can assume any Federation outpost near the neutral zone may have been destroyed, and that the Romulans are trying to draw out a confrontation with the Federation. If that is the case, they should be ready to take initiative and probably not be taken off guard.
0: Indeed. So, you know, uh, stiff upper lip and uh, be ready to uh, shoot things if need be, but don't be shooting unless we, you know, we really need to. Uh,
1: before they can all finish, um, Ralph has worked out how to work to the con panel and uh, calls Picard, who's annoyed, very annoyed that <laughs> this dude is interrupting meetings with the ship's communications.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, could you uh, please not Poke the buttons uh, like Control yourself man Come on
1: <laughs> Picard heads down to be angry Ralph demands a phone Talk to his lawyer about money uh, Picard tries to be patient And explain that he has no idea What he is talking about <laughs> We don't have lawyers We don't have money These words mean nothing
0: Well, they they do have lawyers of the future, but you know, not probably the kind of lawyer that Sky had. And so it's sort of like you're not in legal trouble. What? What?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like there's no such thing as want or need. Money's not a thing. Shut up. So you know, Ralph's angry, but everyone's somewhat distracted when Claire starts to cry because everyone she knew is dead.
0: Well, uh, it's bound to hit her eventually, but, you know, still kind of like a a holy crap moment here.
1: Uh, uh, Picard calls in Troy because someone is crying, (laughs) and she's the one who deals with people who are crying.
0: (laughs) And he's already kind of done with this here, so...
1: Uh, She's able to talk Claire down a bit. She helps her look up records of her family so you can see what happens after she died. Uh, Sunny tries to get some drugs from Crusher, but... um, (laughs) That, that's it, basically. He wants drugs. And then Data gets him a guitar.
0: You know, Sonny, if uh, you'd looked into the uh, you know, database of the uh, you know, replicator, you could probably just replicate some stuff you'd really like, you know.
1: Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the future. They have future drugs. Yes.
0: So what you're saying is I can take this and trip out, and it's, it's guaranteed to end after exactly three hours. So I can... I could schedule this perfectly, so I'm always tripping out, man.
1: Uh, they finally arrive at the neutral zone. Uh, the outpost they were going to wasn't attacked or destroyed. It was scooped out of the earth itself. Oh no, someone stole our outpost. They head off to check the next one, and Ralph storms onto the bridge.
0: Dang it, Ralph! Why are you here?
1: So they find the next outpost, etc. It's also been scooped out of the earth. Uh, Riker advocates for going to battle stations, Picard doesn't want to escalate, etc. Hmm,
0: someone's stealing her outposts. Hmm.
1: Some of these things like don't actually pay off for a while. They show the scene and then like there's no payoff for ages.
0: Yes. <laughs> like this whole mystery about the uh, scooping of uh, the outposts as well, oddly enough. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Warp detects a disturbance, a large one.
0: Is so it in then, the uh, force?
1: Yes. The Romulans may have started using a cloaking device in there. Yeah, you know, following them.
0: Well, we gotta maybe uh, keep an eye out for that.
1: They start decloaking, which is like, yeah, oh my God! Riker and Worf <laughs> want to take them out while they're vulnerable, but Kakard wants to talk. Uh, turns out the Romulans were fainting, and no ship actually appears. They probably just wanted to see if they were going to attack them.
0: Hmm. Well, I guess they know uh, either that the Enterprise was not going to attack them, or the Enterprise couldn't uh, detect them. Uh, you know, phasing in and out a little bit there
1: huh but which so one? this time they appear for real it's massive they have a massive ship that's larger than the enterprise
0: indeed like you know, at the least the biggest twice ship big. in the
1: federation yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah the uh, the romulan ships like yeah are, are sort of like two plates and a front bit uh and they have like connecting things on the cells and all that there uh and each one of those like two plate bits is like the size of the enterprise itself
1: this is when ralph has figured out the turbo lift enough to show up, I guess.
0: <laughs> Ralph, what are you doing he's, here?
1: He stormed off to the bridge twenty minutes ago, and now has just gotten here.
0: <laughs> well, he's
1: immediately grabbed by security, though.
0: Well, the the turbo lifts, uh, you know, there might be like a priority system. Like the captain always gets, you know, high priorities random passengers and you know cryogenically frozen people you know are lowest priority so the turbo lift is going around picking up and dropping off a bunch of officers until Mm -hmm. finally he's in the queue for the bridge
1: so they hail the Romulans two Romulans appear on the view screen Tebok who's proto-Ducat Ty, who talks in weird robot voice for some reason
0: yes Uh, I think he's trying to be intimidating but uh I don't think the Romulans know how to intimidate humans right now.
1: They're here because their outposts in the neutral zone were scooped out of the ground by a weird force. And we want to know what's up.
0: Hmm. Well, scooping out of the ground, uh, maybe we should look for uh, some sort of large space entity with a big ice cream scoop.
1: Card asks if they think that the Federation attacked them, but they know that the Federation isn't capable of that because they're weaklings and they wouldn't be able to do something like this.
0: Or yeah. well, at least they hope so.
1: <laughs> Ralph goes like, I've been in negotiations. These guys don't know what they're talking about. They just hope you know what's going on. The guy's like, yeah, yeah. idiot. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just shut up?
0: So uh, I guess uh, we that's information for the audience if they're not re- paying attention at all. <laughs> But uh, you know, Picard's like, yeah, we, I know what's going on. You go go away. <laughs>
1: yeah. Picard diplomatically suggests that they just share what they learn about all of this and try to figure out what's happening. Tyvok agrees and then goes, but know this, the Romulans are back. <laughs> <it. laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's dealt with. Romulan situation done. That was easy. Yes. <laughs> now they've got the pod Got to deal with them.
0: So, uh, what are we gonna do with them? We're uh, we gonna toss Ralph into the brig for uh, breaking onto the bridge without permission.
1: They should, yeah. But so Claire gets to look up her great, 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 great grandson when she gets back to Earth. So she's happy. Family stuff, I suppose. That'll be interesting for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, the maybe- most
1: awkward of Thanksgivings.
0: Yeah, maybe we should uh, at some point drop by these folks and uh, see how they're adjusting to this new century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are we going uh, to? Ralph's...
1: No. Oh. It'd be interesting, <laughs> but no. Ralph is still upset that there's no money, but uh, maybe he'll try this bettering himself thing everyone keeps talking about. Yeah. And, know. uh... Sonny's just happy to be here, because he's, he's been pretty amicable.
0: Yeah, it's like, cool future stuff, and there's booze? I, I'm sold.
1: Yeah, they've, they've been collecting people from this century. They could go talk to Whale Lady. Yep.
0: <laughs> well, she's probably a little up in years now, but yeah.
1: Yeah, but she's been around a while. She had to make this. She had to figure this out.
0: <laughs> gonna have a, a support group uh, somewhere uh, on earth uh, for, yeah, all right what what century are you from? Well I'm from the, the 20th century Oh I'm from the 21st uh, cool uh, we got, probably have a lot in common yeah uh, do, you, do you remember when they uh, you know we had to start dodging uh, you know the ICBMs uh, no I missed that oh lucky
1: so they talk about how that would be nice. how they could be nice and drop the three off at a star base in a few days which would take a few months off of their trip back to Earth. But Picard's like, nope. We're just gonna give them the months, give them time to acclimate. We have to move on. Season two is coming.
0: <laughs> we we'll have to be ready for it. Um, also, uh, uh, we're gonna be uh, dropping people off that are going to Earth anyway. But never mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: don't don't think about it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Season two is coming. <laughs> Look forward to that, everybody.
1: That's it. We did it. We did we did season
0: 1. Season 1. Holy smokes. So what do we
1: think? What do we think of the neutral zone?
0: Uh, as I said before, you know, it's a passable episode, kind of disjointed in bits here, but, you know, there's some stuff going on. And I guess to a degree, the um, menace of the episode is kind of low key enough that it not being very resolved at all is okay. Like, so per- would
1: you call it a neutral episode?
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, especially in the uh, in, in the in season one here, uh, you know, it's probably one of the better ones. So, hooray!
1: <laughs> yeah, I do think it's one of the better season one episodes. Hey, yeah, they they don't really resolve anything. Uh, it's it's basically just int- it's supposed to introduce two villains, and it introduces one villain and then hints that there's something else going on but in such a low-key way you will have completely forgotten that it's happening by the time they pay this off in any capacity
0: indeed <laughs> it'll be sort of a uh oh yeah there's that one thing happened and i only noticed this because uh we're watching some reruns <laughs> yeah yeah I, I guess uh when i was growing up i didn't even notice at all until i was like you know in my 20s so it was like Wait a yeah
1: moment. <laughs> I didn't even remember these were connected in any way. yes
0: <laughs> but uh, you know
1: of course um, of course this is, is fairly obvious from all the stuff that's going on. The original intention was for this to be a two part episode, this would basically be the first part they the Romulans show up and they need to collaborate to figure out what's going on with their disappearing outposts mm-hmm. The next episode, the Borg would show up. And Indeed. the Romulans and the Federation have to work together to try to take out this new, even more powerful enemy.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we'd have these uh, guys that are maybe not so trusting of us, but they got a pretty big and powerful ship, and then maybe they got others uh, hanging out. Uh, and we got the Enterprise, of course, you know, doing its uh, you know Enterprise best. And so you know, you know, maybe we'll uh, you know this this hive mind entities uh, that we're sort of dealing with here. You know, maybe. We can use its singular thinking as a disadvantage by having two groups of folks with very different uh, thinking that it can't adapt to if they're both trying their their, their uh, various uh, thingamajigs on them at the same time. That'd be yeah, it pretty much
1: writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah, like the the Federation would want to try to talk to them. The Romulans would want to be hostile. They'd work on Federation rules for a second. The Romulans would try to attack them. They'd probably either destroy or heavily. Disable the Romulan ship, which we know is more powerful than the Enterprise, thus showing how powerful the Borgar is an enemy. We would have had to have tabak probably come onto the Enterprise to try to start pushing people around, and then they would have worked together on a combined strategy that uses both of their individual strengths to combat the one singular strength.
0: Exactly. So yeah, that yeah. would have been a you know a pretty cool uh, thing going on there. But you know, real world stuff happens. Yeah, you should pay your writers. Then this doesn't happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, if you're uh, not paying your writers, they will uh, eventually want to, like, get actually paid. And, you know, they might strike about it. So, you know, pay them. As, as someone who sometimes does writing for pay, pay your writers. <laughs> That's how we live. The part of
1: this episode that is kind of more fanficy is actually pretty good the the mm-hmm. bits that they um, that they crib from that being a lot of the a lot of the uh, modern person insert stuff as fanfic does yes
0: oh, some sort of Mary Sue sort of thing but uh, you know in, in this case it's not nearly as powerful or anything silly like that you know self insert though
1: if they had I feel like if they'd not wanted to still introduce the other stuff you know once once they knew course this episode was written in like a day and a half from a basic framework so of course it wasn't going to be the best script ever yeah but uh also they weren't they couldn't make any amendments to the script because they filmed it while the writer's strike was happening so writing on it would have been against guild rules yes even to fix uh, things
0: so uh just kind of make it work and we'll cut anything that doesn't work in editing hopefully
1: (laughs) but it's it's kind of unfortunate because Each of these individually is an interesting premise, but shoving them both into one episode has kind of robbed each of the interesting thing you could do. Aye.
0: Hmm.
1: The Romulans had to show up for five minutes. Uh, They apparently wanted to have a, like, the financier's business savvy lets him see through the Romulan deception, but he does it in such an obviously stupid way, it doesn't work for anything.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, dude, people have have not become, you know, brain dead in the last few centuries. You know, the people that are experienced with dealing with, you know, uh, you know, potentially hostile aliens have some intuitions as well. You know,
1: <laughs> come on. That is unfortunate that we don't get anything like this explored more because this is a very good opportunity for them to be able to flesh out the parts of the. Next generation world that we don't really mm-hmm. get to see as much
0: of. Indeed, and in, in fact, I kind of wish that this episode was a lot earlier in the season, uh, so that uh, you know we could sort of get more of the world of the you know of the Enterprise here, uh, you know, before we you know get too distracted by uh, you know plots here and there, so that we well, can yeah they yeah
1: they definitely wouldn't have had stuff worked out as well by then. Because sure. they had no idea what was going on earlier in the first season. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, you know, if they had known what they were doing and this episode could have been you know earlier in time, that would have been great, but or something similar to this. Uh, a, a true, you know, fish out of water. Let's introduce the you know, the viewership to the strange world of this far future uh, uh universe here. And you know, what things are still a things, which things are not, and uh and, you know, sort of, you know, if we want to uh, make a, a sell for the Roddenberry future, you know, let's actually show us what it is, you know?
1: Yeah, you have a really good chance to juxtapose some stuff. It's like the, the creative dude seems to be just as welcome and integrated into society as ever, so we can assume that they value, you know, creativity and artists. Mm-hmm. The uh, finance dude... Is is completely unwelcome and doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So we've we've established that they don't need money. We don't know. We still don't know anything about that other than money doesn't exist in some sort of nebulous way.
0: Yes. Uh. Though uh, that. Yeah. As we explore the universe more, it uh, kind of becomes clear that that's more of a core world federation thing. Um. Uh, but you know, if you're like say a a trill you might be living on a a random planet that maybe have some loose connection with earth but isn't necessarily a federation world and you still have money to worry about and thus you can get involved in a uh, a weird murder plot involving the uh, orion syndicate by accident
1: yeah that's just because especially in deep space nine because i think they didn't actually work out how the academic the economic and social underpinnings of this universe really function in any, in any coherent way. Mm-hmm. Um, the writers didn't know what to do with any of it and just sort of fell back on what they knew, which was writing modern stories with modern problems, just putting yeah. them on spaceships. Yes. <laughs> Instead of writing anything that was examining how the world in which these people live impact the people who live there.
0: Really uh, exploring the speculative nature of the speculative fiction. But yeah. Well,
1: you've really got two... There's two primary ways to write speculative fiction and sci-fi, which is either the people have remained basically the same and the technology has changed significantly, or the people have changed significantly. Mm-hmm. And and the one, you're still writing modern humans, but you're writing modern humans as affected by usually one fairly large, significant change, and you're using that to explore how people would interact with this specific alteration to the status quo.
0: Indeed, in fact, I have a, a manuscript that I'm trying to get published that's sort of along those lines. Uh, you know, the big change being. What if there were people on Europa? Hmm.
1: (laughs) So something like that is your, that's more your DS9 era of stuff, actually. Like people still worry about money. There's still a lot of understandable political machinations happening. You have very recognizable family dynamics and social interactions. Mm -hmm. And most of your time is spent going like, well, what if these recognizably modern people had to interact with, this other thing that's going on yes um a lot of the stuff that they were trying to do in tng to better and worse effects, depending on the episode it's the other type where humanity has changed significantly in culture and standing in the universe and a lot of the thing is exploring what that is and how it works Mm mm-hmm like The people who live in this era are recognizably human in a way that lets you empathize with them, but their day-to-day lives and concerns and social interactions have changed so significantly from anything that you have that using them as a point of understandable reference just doesn't really work anymore.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Which
1: is why you can, to explain stuff, introduce something like you have here, where someone from our century shows up. A recognizably modern human with modern concerns now suddenly has to interact with this changed world and you can explore what that does to someone and use it as a way to explain and juxtapose you know, modern society with your new whatever-it-is society.
0: Indeed. You know, uh, effectively, they become the audience viewpoint characters for uh, the episode. Or oh, your blank slate hero. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Or you could actually do something interesting. No one ever does, but like, you know, you could do how is this person affected psychologically by suddenly being dumped into a world that is, for all intents and purposes, vastly better than the one they left, but (laughs) is so separated from their normal day to day points of reference that they might hate it.
0: Or they might, you know express hate towards it but really they're just stressed out because they don't understand it (laughs) but either way
1: (laughs) i mean you do have a little bit of uh you have a little bit of that and and it's interestingly portrayed as a freak out of finance dude Mm -hmm. because his entire life's purpose was framed around something that has become completely irrelevant after (laughs) he died and now the thing that he spent literally his entire life trying to achieve is no longer useful to anyone for any reason.
0: Well, I guess you can do math at least. Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, in some ways, wish that, you know, have Ralph be the very explicit, I'm now going to be rejecting this world because, uh, you know, I'm now being sort of made obsolete. Uh, but you could have uh, Claire be, the one that's not just kind of mopey and sad here, but, you know, is like, okay, I'm you know, kind of sad for a little bit, talk to Troy, I feel a little bit better. And then she gets real angry because, you know, there's so much stuff going on here that she's just not being able to process it and getting frustrated. Uh, and so, you know, it's not just, you know, angry, sad chill, I guess. It'd be more of a, you know, evolving these characters through their sort of adjustments to this new world
1: yeah and then of course your artists they're just he's basically stoned the whole time so
0: yes (laughs) doesn't matter though in his case you know it might be a uh you know a thing where you know his uh, evolution into this situation is that he's yeah starts off chill um but you know someone else kind of points out yeah he's just really drunk all the time now and uh (laughs) he might be in denial about some stuff but we'll keep an eye on him uh, and so it's more of a a, a subtle reveal about how he's pr- sort of processing things.
1: Well, there's a uh, there's an Asimov short story about time travel that is mostly a setup for a kind of stupid joke. But one of the things that they have is uh, the the person who's explaining the time travel thing, which is they can they can bring people from the past into the current century with their time traveling stuff, and that lets them learn about the past. They discovered that, like, they tried bringing normal great minds. They tried bringing scientists and philosophers and people who they th- thought they could learn a lot from. And they just spent the entire time freaking the hell out because they needed to <laughs> explain what was going on. Uh, so then they started bringing artists, and the artists were just like, oh, well, cool.
0: Yeah, this is kind of far out, man. Uh, so, but you're a Renaissance player. I uh, Painter. I know, right?
1: <laughs> then, of course, the entire thing is a... Uh, is a joke set up for how the english teacher that the guy's talking to flunked shakespeare out of his shakespeare class (laughs) oops
0: (laughs) i like that (laughs) i guess it also depends on when they're scooping them out and and speaking of (laughs) scooping maybe that's what happened to those colonies
1: (laughs) yeah maybe that's the maybe that's why he flunked the class he's like what do you mean lost play
0: (laughs) it's working on it Uh (laughs) uh-oh you're not going to send me back are you (laughs) So, uh, should we uh, talk about uh, the Cold War?
1: Yeah, it was—they uh, froze people and then threw them at each other. Yes, a <laughs> way. The very, it's very Cold, cold.
0: War. <laughs> Chill out, everyone! It is time to send our soldiers over to the enemy. Uh, they're frozen, sir. I know. That's why it's going to hurt the enemy more.
1: <laughs> yes, Mister Freeze showed up. <laughs> well, everyone needs to chill But
0: yeah, I guess we've talked a bit about Cold War generally uh, off and on here uh, You know, in various contexts here But as you pointed out, you know, things are kind of uh, You know, winding down on that front So uh, so uh, there's sort of a, you know I guess the we can you know, always look at the timeline of uh, things In terms of, you know, when exactly this episode came out And, you know, how many weeks it would be yet Until such and such event happened But uh, I guess the, uh, you know, the, I guess the big things, you know, didn't really start happening uh, slash, uh, you know, cascading, I suppose, until the next year in 89. Um, But, you know, there's sort of still a little bit of uh, writing on the wall sort of stuff going uh, on, even uh, when this episode came out, that maybe things were kind of in the uh, the waning eras here. Um, So, you know, there's some rebellions going on in, uh, you know, Eastern Europe the year before uh and you know a couple of years back even further uh you know it's a chernobyl disaster and it's like hmm maybe they're not so you know prepared for some things here in the soviet union Hmm, and you know there's a lot of sort of speculation i guess at this point that you know there's maybe something is about to happen man also you know there's the whole reunification of germany thing coming up we should maybe keep an eye out for that um, but, uh, you know, things hadn't quite gotten to the, the full cascade of, you know, dismantling the Soviet Union and all that. Um, but there was, I guess, other things kind of happening uh, in sort of the 80s uh, that was, uh, you know, of significance here. That is actually, in, in a weird way, uh, uh, reminiscent of some of the stuff going on here with the Romulans. A will cooperate Kind of on this one thing, sort of deal. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: No, I don't remember the 80s. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, other than, uh, you know, trying to uh, reduce nuclear stockpiles, uh, there was a chat about uh, setting up some sort of, I don't know, space station, international space station, maybe. You know, the US and the Russians have done the space race stuff. They both uh, set up, uh, you know, various. Uh, you know, stations mostly on the temporary basis, uh, you know, like American Skylab, Mir and all that on the, on the Soviet Union side. Uh, it's like, well, maybe we should like, I don't know, for, you know, the cause of peace and, you know, cooperation and shared scientific and, you know, endeavors. Maybe we should like come together and do a space station together, man.
1: So the space travel thing is spirit of cooperation that didn't need, a massive outsized enemy.
0: <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so instead of worrying about scooping colonies here, it's like, you know, maybe, maybe science, the pursuit of science sake is its own reward. So perhaps we should, I don't know, work together a little bit and do some cool stuff here. Yeah. You know, the early sort of, I guess, uh, talks about this sort of stuff started uh, kicking off in the, uh, You know, in the 80s uh, was sort of a, uh, wouldn't it be nice sort of stuff here. Um, But uh, I guess the the real plans didn't really start coming up uh, until the actually early 90s. But, you know, you know, just after the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, we got a situation where, you know, know, the the Russian Federation is like, we're kind of like still here, I guess. We're in bad shape. But, uh, yeah, sure, we'll do some space stuff. We were kind of talking about it before that whole, you know, our country fell apart uh, bit. But, uh, you know, we'll uh, start doing some cooperation and because we're sort of in a transition out of the Cold War now. So, uh, sure, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll set up a little bit of a treaty, I guess, and uh, start putting things together. And, uh, you know, so Al- Vice President Al Gore met with the uh, Prime Minister of Russia, and they're like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, and so, uh, there's also some, uh, shuttle docking with mirror sort of stuff to uh, sort of symbolize the, uh, the new era beginning. And, uh, you know, in time we started putting up pieces of space station, you know, some from Russia, from, some from the U S some from other folks like Japan and, uh, you know, European space agency and all that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, eventually we ha- got ourselves the ISS and it's still up and, uh, will be up for a while yet. Uh, And it's, like, already done, like, 100,000 orbits or so.
1: It is starting to fall apart a bit. (laughs) It's leaking. There's...
0: Yeah, you know, know, there's plans for retirement at this point, but uh, personally, I'd love them to, like, uh, fix some of the leaks and put them in higher orbit. But, (laughs) you know, even if, uh, you know, just a, uh, you know, a skeleton crew for a while until we can, you know, get better uh, launch capabilities or, uh, you know... Just send it up into uh, geostationary, so it's not going to easily fall out uh, due to atmospheric drag. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Have it be a long lasting uh, potential stopover for uh, future explorations of the solar system.
1: Yeah, let's go keep replacing parts. I mean, it's already yeah. up there. Yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, easier to replace parts uh, than it is to uh, put up new modules, though. Yeah, you know, maybe a few more modules in time would be kind of cool. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about this because, you know, it's, it's, yeah, sure, the uh, spirit of cooperation that's sort of kind of maybe shown in this episode is very limited in a very sort of way. But it did kind of remind me of this. And I'd want to talk about ISS for a while. So, <laughs> but uh, I remember uh, watching the uh, the first uh, link up of the, uh, you know, first two modules there. Uh, I was, uh, how was uh, it? Z- 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 i forget the exact name of it um and you know some us module probably called freedom <laughs> it's like all right cool we got two pieces together hooray and now we got a whole lot more and uh you know big uh i guess uh scaffolding with all the uh, uh big solar panels on it and uh, it's been uh, going strong for years and years now and uh i think it's kind of a an amazing achievement that uh you know, folks don't necessarily think about it every day, but it's sort of one of those things that's you know pops up in the back of my mind. It's like, this is really awesome that we've been able to do this as a you know, as a planet here.
1: I think it's kind of interesting, especially given you know things were winding down. There was at least some amount of the spirit of cooperation starting up. You mm-hmm. know, even though the. Soviet Union was about to collapse in on itself through mismanagement and fascist tendencies. Yes, (laughs) both times they've shown something akin to that happening in Star Trek. We had you know undiscovered country with the end of the Klingon War, and Mm -hmm. we have what the intention for this, but they also keep working on and off with the Romulans. The Romulans never get into full antagonist status. They're always just sort of a like untrustworthy side side nation
0: yes uh, they're uh, uh, playing chess as Picard sort of uh, characterizes them later
1: yeah and they, they work with them not infrequently on various joint things and they always have something else happening in order to make it feasible like Undiscovered Country had their their home, like the Klingon homeworld, was going to become uninhabitable, so of mm-hmm. course they have to cooperate now. Yes, the this episode was going to have a massively more powerful force come in that would force cooperation. I think that it's kind of interesting that even a lot of sci fi writers, I think probably because diplomacy is boring yep. for TV, <laughs> a bit, um, yeah. <laughs> They don't really express much trust or interest in the idea that people would be able to coordinate for themselves how to get along with each other. (laughs) Like something else has to come in, a a massive alien force that threatens the entire world has to arrive before everyone's going to start cooperating.
0: Which is an unfortunate trope because that isn't actually needed in reality. Sometimes people also yeah, can't unlikely. just get yeah. <laughs> And uh, also sometimes in uh, history, there's this you know overwhelming massive force coming in and people are like, hmm, well, maybe if I can get them to attack my enemy first.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I think like one of the few times something like that actually happened where there was sort of a massive you know, uh, combined force is, of course you know World War two the Soviet unions and the Western powers you know kind of getting up on the, the axis there after Soviet Union you know tried to stay out of it but you know eventually got betrayed uh, mm-hmm. but uh, also uh, the uh, the uh, Mongol invasion of Europe uh, it's like hmm we're getting our butts kicked uh, up you know you know seven ways from Sunday um, but uh, maybe we can build a coalition well to really be able to defeat them, we're going to need everybody. Oh, you, you mean those people down in, in, in Turkey that are beating up the, uh, the the Byzantines? Yep, those folks too. But they're not Christians. So? They're getting you know, their asses handed them too. Alright, I guess we'll like team up for a little bit, I guess, sort of. But only to kill people, alright? Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, and all those times that Persia invaded and all the Greeks stopped squabbling with each other long enough to pull off a Thermopylae. Yes. <laughs>
0: You know, so you might notice that all of these sort of things uh, are about conflicts and war and people dying. And, you know, but what if we want to do something other than, you know, beat up people?
1: Well, the thing to remember, (laughs) especially with that, is um, prior to World War I, uh, 90% of world politics was small inter-family wars between ruling families in Europe
0: indeed or <laughs> uh you know, you know the, the past time of europe you know if someone insults your uncle well it's time to go and beat up on them and their cousin
1: <laughs> like while the while the whole war to end all war things of course didn't pan out it did upset the balance of power in europe to the point that that did stop Mm-hmm. We we tend to not have a bunch of teeny tiny little wars between European countries vying for territory all the damn time now.
0: Indeed, you know it's uh, there's less. You know I need this uh, you know bit of territory in order to have my trade come through here without you know having to go through your tax uh, booth there. And I'm gonna go beat up your people and I'll use the excuse that you know, you insulted you know my sister by divorcing my cousin or something um so let's go fight and uh i'll take this territory or you'll siege my castle for a while either way i still gotta do it
1: yeah i mean this isn't this isn't important to the thing but that was the inciting thing of world war one all these weird little wars that kept happening Mm -hmm. basically every country in europe had a non had a like mutual protection pact with every other country in europe so the, the second anyone touched off anything, the entire the, everyone had to do everything.
0: Yeah. So we got an alliance. We got an entente. And uh, whoops, there uh, some of our friends are fighting, and so we got to go and uh, help them out because that's how we roll in Europe here. Whoops. Uh, this was awful. So I guess the uh, the lesson of the neutral zone is uh, uh, don't engage in uh, you know uh, uh, nobility politics in Europe. Right. Yeah yes
1: <laughs> well it is interesting as a like this is a enlightened cold war analogy when we get to when we get to tng mm-hmm. they want to avoid war because they believe in avoiding war yes. not because they believe in mutually assured destruction
0: yeah you know, war sucks let's not do it if we can.
1: As we go through, we're going to get more interesting stuff because we're going to have parallels with some of the old show things. Because this, now you're not doing any of the Cold War stuff. They're not having proxy wars mm-hmm. like they did with the Klingons. They uh, are doing weird behind the scenes political machinations, pulling off spy stuff, like all things like that that we imagined was happening during the Cold War. But.
0: Like turning Jordy into a a secret agent to uh, murder somebody in order to uh, break up an alliance. Stuff like that.
1: So it's going to be interesting to go forward because this is like, you know, after this season, the Soviet Union kind of breaks up and then we're no longer writing Cold War stories, but they still have set up a lot of Cold War dynamics. So now we're going to have post-Cold War Cold War stories. Yes.
0: (laughs) So uh, we'll kind of keep an eye on how those sort of evolve as things go forward. And, you know. The question is then, what is Talbuk really doing in all good things? With the yes, we're going to send in our our ship to investigate this anomaly too, and they just never show up.
1: I wonder what that's. About. Yeah, they probably just blew up or something.
0: <laughs> Explain why that's the last time he appears. Hmm. That would have been because interesting. Because it's
1: the end of the series. Well,
0: yeah, they could have had him come back in DS Nine or something like that, mm-hmm. but uh, but unfortunately, Andreas Casolus has passed away. So,
1: but you know, that's all far future stuff. So. Mm-hmm. For right now, I think it's time for the Galaxy's favorite game show. Hey
0: everybody, welcome to the Galaxy's favorite game show on this last episode for season 1 of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Our various contestants have been racking up pr- pr- uh, points here, and so it's time to uh, hand out some prizes. we got three of them to hand out, and so let's get started. The first one is the Cold War Strategy Prize, which goes to the Romulans for being difficult about a mutual concern issue, but then agreeing to maybe cooperate on it. Sort of. Kind of. But on nothing else. You know, only this man. What do they win, Gepwin?
1: They win some sensors or relays. What are, what are these outposts for if the only thing that anyone ever noticed about the outposts is they stop being there?
0: <laughs> They're just giant transponders, Geppelin. Don't think about it too much. <laughs> Our uh, second prize is the Frycicle Prize, which goes to Sonny, Cla- uh, Cla- uh, Claire, and Ralph for their successful trip into the future via Cryonics. What do they win, Geppelin?
1: They win a fun life of leisure because at this point they are going to have to do so much college to catch up. I think that the best thing for them to do is go retire on a beach and enjoy that no one needs money anymore.
0: Indeed. Uh, though uh, Claire might want to uh, get back to that uh, engineering uh, job of hers, you know, that homemaker, right? Ho ho! <laughs> Our final prize is the Menacing Geometry Prize, which goes to you-know-who, who who is not appearing in this episode. Uh, What did this mystery force win, Gepwin?
1: They win some more Tinker Toys. We never find out what they're doing with all these outposts and cities and stuff that they're, you know, scooping out of the Earth. So, I think they're just making giant space Lego sets.
0: (laughs) That'd be kind of awesome, actually. I hope we run into one of those at some point hmm but uh that's all i got here uh you know gepwin so uh feel free to take us away into the future the far future where we wake up from cry uh, never mind
1: (laughs) thanks to our podcicles and our mysterious unseen forces for joining us on the galaxy's favorite game show
0: rounds out a season yes we got through it holy smokes we got got a whole whole season
1: yeah season one was a bit of a mess ups and downs but i think overall i I end positively and everyone agreed because they thought it was going to get canceled and instead (laughs) it did not so hooray (laughs) seems to work out
0: because it was good enough to continue and to spawn more star trek to uh yeah, to... it wasn't
1: just good it was good enough
0: <laughs> it was it was good enough to uh, uh continue it was good enough to eventually start spawning more star trek and then more star trek and then eventually everything on tv will be star trek
1: yeah though only on the one streaming channel
0: oh yes so you know if you don't have that one uh your sol in terms of you know star trek
1: yeah the yeah. the ones the Star Trek <laughs> streaming channel that I assume does other things
0: sometimes <laughs> indeed. Hmm. So uh are we uh, ever gonna see uh, uh Sonny and uh, Ralph and uh, uh Claire again? I think I don't think so, but uh maybe we can sort of ap- you know, appreciate them for the time they spent with us and uh, think about how they slowly adapt to this new century. And how well, there's they... only
1: two options. They are oh. 100% going to show up either in the final season of Picard or in Lower Decks. <laughs> so that's, just, that's just going to happen.
0: That's actually a good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, I'd like to have uh, Ralph show up in uh, Lower Decks, uh, you know, Claire to show up Picard, and Sonny actually to show up in uh, uh, Discovery and... Because he uh, got himself so drunk he, uh, you know, decided, well, I, I got liver damage again and I'm, I'm going to die again. I'm going to get myself frozen again. Wee.
1: <laughs> I am definitely surprised that Sonny has not just showed up as a background joke of them listening to some music or something on Lower <laughs> Decks yet.
0: <laughs> that would kind of make sense, actually. <laughs> Hey, if uh, you're listening to us, lower decks folks, uh, you know, going to do that. You know, you don't even have to like have them talk. Just you know, characters playing some music.
1: So, um, as is tradition, mm-hmm. now we're going to take a little break between seasons, and we are going to do a movie.
0: <gasps> a movie?
1: A What's... movie? An entire movie? It's like an episode of Star Trek, but twice as long.
0: Yes, and sometimes even longer. Yeah, nowadays oh, <laughs> i'm so tired <laughs> well we spend all our time watching things we can't do anything else oh gosh! <laughs> yeah but we, right, we, so, we, we, we got a treat coming up here though <laughs> yeah
1: so uh we um we decide to give our brains a break mm-hmm. and we have someone else on to decide what they're gonna watch
0: yes and, so uh, i don't
1: have to decide anything
0: yes uh, neither do i actually uh Because, you know, because if I had to decide things, it's like, do I want to like throw more Doctor Who at Gepwin? or do I want to like do something really weird instead?
1: (laughs) So uh, next week we are going to be joined by a amazing YouTuber who does some really fun uh, video essays. I say fun. Some of them are depressing, but she is very fun doing the video essays. (laughs)
0: Oh, I guess. That's how video essays uh, really should be done. You know, a fun host who sometimes covers depressing things.
1: Yes, so she is a great YouTuber called Hoots. Hoots, hmm. and we'll have links somewhere. You should go check out her YouTube. Uh, I would recommend the Mummy trilogy that she did about the Mummy nineteen ninety nine because I just I just think that's fun. She's also done some more recent stuff that uh, that you can see and. Uh, currently going to have something about new york coming out soon which i I will find interesting new york new york so anyway yeah you should go check out her channel Mm -hmm. and she has decided that the next thing we are going to watch is the most modern thing we've ever done in the um jordan peele sci-fi western neo-western horror movie called nope
0: when you why'd you just go Nope? What? What's the name of the movie?
1: Yeah, we're not gonna watch it. Nope. 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 Nope.
0: Oh, it's too scary.
1: Yeah, it's too scary.
0: <laughs> no, alternatively we could have done a uh like who's on first thing just now, but uh yeah, with only mm. one movie, you know, we can't figure out who's yeah, on it second work base. As well yeah. Mm.
1: Um if you're familiar with Jordan Peele's work, I would Uh, assume you know this but this I think more than a lot of things that we cover I would definitely recommend trying to watch before we do the episode not only because the twist is good like Mm -hmm. it's it's not as dependent on not knowing what happens as as some of his as some of his other stuff like I would never say that, that ruins the thing, but not going in cold is really good for most of his movies. Yes, um, this one I wouldn't say is as dependent on that, but definitely you should see it because it's just filled with so much nuance and visual interest and other things that is just not going to come through in a synopsis at all.
0: Yes, so it's a uh, a an event to be taken in, to be perceived, to be digested let your brain work down and take it apart and be integrated into your subconscious so that when you see it a third time you're still like whoa
1: yeah i i just learned this the cinematographer on this movie literally invented new ways of filming things that had never been done before nice for this movie so like visually you need to just see it with your eyeballs
0: mm-hmm. so get your eyes on it folks do it yeah do it now
1: do so yes next time you can join us and hoots for the most modern thing we've ever done which is the uh, sci-fi western horror etc 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 nope
0: next time on watchers of tomorrow hoots joins us back at the ranch where it's raining blood have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbeam, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on YouTube.com slash Gepwin, and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Izix, on YouTube.com slash Dr. and Twitter at IzixLP. Music is Waveform and Mori's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists.